2: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. With more clarity on Michigan's football roster, we discuss two position groups that are likely to be without their marquee players, plus what the team is doing to limit COVID exposure. That and more on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Guys, how's it going?
0: The sun's shining. It's it's cool down, but it's falls here, that's for sure.
1: This is my kind of weather,
2: baby. I love it. you don't have to sweat while you're outside. This is fantastic. Yeah. You may or may not be wearing clothing on (laughs) the part of your body. Uh, Exactly. the Benefits of living alone, man. For for our listeners benefits of a podcast, not a video cast, but we're here to talk mostly Michigan football. I would say we'll sprinkle in a couple other topics here at the end yesterday, Jim Harbaugh and, uh, Others went on, you know, this Michigan football radio show to talk about the team. And, you know, one of the things that was shared, kind of the big news item, was that Jalen Mayfield, offensive lineman, is good to go. His waiver has been approved by the NCAA. Remind me, had he signed an agent, but maybe not gotten benefits or not even signed an agent, or
0: we don't really know. Nothing's been... Disclosed officially, but it had been reported that he has signed with an agent. I had mm-hmm. tried reaching out to Jalen and, and his parents; I, they never got back to me. But it sounds like he had signed with an agent, but he hadn't accepted anything or moved anywhere at that point. So I, I think there was a workaround with, with that regard. The details of his waiver really haven't been disclosed of what, what they needed from the NCAA. You know, mm-hmm. it's possible had he accepted money. Maybe he could have paid it back and he would have been fine. All right, That hasn't really been disclosed. The NCAA hasn't really been kind of open about that because there are several other players potentially in Michigan's roster and other rosters that are going to be doing the same thing. But either way, it, Jim Harbaugh did say you know, that, that it sounds like it's been approved. He did say there were going to be a few stipulations with regard to that waiver. Jim didn't specify, but it, it sounds like Michigan's football team is, is moving forward with the understanding that Jalen Mayfield will be eligible to play this fall.
2: Probably a good sign for other Big Ten schools, though, that have players in, in similar positions. And then, you know, the other the other thing was the two players that had also, uh, the other two players who had opted out from Michigan, wide receiver Nico Collins and, you know, cornerback uh, Ambry Thomas, neither have applied for the waiver, which, you know, the first step, of course, in in coming back is wanting to come back, and it doesn't seem to really maybe be that from those two players. So, you know, this podcast will kind of proceed forward as if, Those two players are not coming back. And let's start, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. What does losing Ambry Thomas or, you know, not having him back mean, you know, for the
0: defensive backfield? So immediately they've got to fill a quarterback slot. Uh, You know, Michigan's to begin with, you move Ambry coming back. I think the depth was a concern on the defensive backfield, not so much at safety. Um, they, they've got their starters, I think are set and they've got some talented guys there and they've got some young guys behind them, but the cornerback position was going to be a question mark. Yes. Ambry was going to start. He would have been the, the key guy there in, in the defensive back cornerback room. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's guys behind him, but there's not a ton of experience. Uh, you know, a handful of guys of names have been, have come up potential replacements. DJ Turner played in four games last year, but redshirted. Jalen Perry did not play at all last year. Richard, sophomore Jamon Green played 11 games last year, but was mainly on special teams. So Michigan's got some guys there, but they got no significant experience. Guys that have kind of proven themselves, and we've talked about this on the offensive side of the ball. Um, that's the case here with, with the cornerback room and Ambry Thomas gone. They've, they've got a hole to fill. How they do it is going to be, I think, the biggest the biggest question mark here on the defensive side of the ball uh, going into the Week One.
2: Zeke, do you think any of the, uh, the even the newcomers could see some time there? I mean, I think they
1: will have a shot just because, yeah, there's not many people to climb on the depth chart there. I mean, if if you look at it, and a lot, a lot of these guys aren't aren't really highly regarded prospects coming out of high school either. DJ Turner was number 400 overall. Jamon Green was number 382. Jalen Perry was a four-star prospect at number 200 overall, but, but the highest uh, rated player in that room right now will be Andre Seldon, a, a four-star true freshman who, I mean, He's probably the most talented other group but he's also five foot eight and i don't know if he'll be ready size to handle the college receiver right away so i think there's a lot of question marks there and i mean i think people forget how reliable that cornerback room has been for Michigan under under Don Brown so i think it's 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 going to be a position group to watch moving forward and it could be a worrisome position uh moving into 2020.
0: You bring up a good point, you know, Ryan, they've got two freshman cornerbacks there. You mentioned Andre Selden, Darian Green-Warrens, another guy there, there was another top was 150 in the nation. They've got some talent there, but as, as a coach, as, you know, as, as defensive corner, do you want to throw two freshmen out there to handle some top, you know, some of the best receivers in the big 10 right away? I mean, that's the risk you have to weigh there. Um, they, they could, in theory, do it if, if those guys end up being the best guys in practice and they're showing out. But you start to wonder how that's going to affect Michigan's defense. Now, I, I do think there might be some other things they can do. You know, there has been word leaking that they may try move Daxton Hill, mm-hmm. who pr- primarily plays at safety, but he's got a lot of speed and he's got a lot of size over the cornerback. Um, I think that may alleviate some pressure. That might help them in the in the passing game. I, I do think Daxon could handle himself fine one on one against you know other receivers. He's certainly got the speed to do so. But does he have the experience and the the wherewithal at the college level to get that done? You know, we, we I guess we don't know. I don't know. You know, to what degree Michigan's considering that? But it's it's certainly an option. And I think you know if they don't get someone that emerges, you know, in the, in the natural quarterback position, probably a spot they should consider.
2: Well, and you don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul, so to speak, and, and move him away from, and then have to plug, you know, plug a different hole. But yeah, go ahead, Zook. Yeah. Then you,
1: then you create a, a similar problem with, with depth at safety too, because there's really, yeah, you have Brad Hawkins and Dex and Hill, but outside of that, it's pretty much all inexperienced players as well. So yeah, the secondary is especially against some of these, they uh, are starting off against Minnesota and, and Rashad Bateman, probably the best receiver in the, that mission will face this year. It's going to be a tough task for these. And for Vincent Gray, who, who's likely the one guy that you could pencil in as a starter at cornerback right now, is he ready to be a number one cornerback at the college level? I don't know. We'll have to see. But that's, that's a lot to ask for a guy that was more of a reserve corner last year as a sophomore. So we'll we'll see.
0: If you go back and watch the end of last season, Vincent Gray got burned on several big plays, yes. Ohio State, the bowl game. He really struggled in, in certain situations. Now he, he is, you know, a year older and he's got more experience under his belt. And I, I think he can develop into be a you know a quality cornerback. But if he's your number one guy that you're gonna put on top receivers, Michigan's defensive backs are gonna have some trouble. And and that's why I think they're gonna have to get creative here, whether it's you know, maybe playing with five defensive backs and, and, and a nickel guy in there to, to try and alleviate some of that, that pressure. We'll see. Uh, I'm curious to see how Don Brown handles it. And he may go a 4-2-5 scheme. We may see more of that this year. You know, I think I, I mentioned that earlier in the offseason just because, you know, Michigan's, they, they do think they have three quality starting linebackers there. Michael Barrett, again, is another guy that hasn't played a ton. So maybe potentially Michigan goes with a 4 here and gets some help in the defensive backfield. Um, just to get more bodies out there. But Don Brown, he's shown a willingness and a desire to play. You know, the man, the man game when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. And Michigan's largely been successful doing that. Um, but they've had experienced, talented guys back there. And at cornerback this year, I just I don't see it at, at this point.
1: Michigan did play a little bit more zone last year, and I think even more so this year. There's a case to be uh, to be had for for even more to avoid those man-to-man situations and big plays against but we'll
2: see so let's hypothetical here big 10 changes course for the eighth time and they bump up michigan minnesota to this saturday okay who's starting at those you know corner spots and who's you know who's starting out trying to defend Bateman. And I know, Aaron, you've been you've been kind of teasing your depth chart, you know, exclusively to our Wolverine Confidential Subtech subscribers first. So if you feel like, you know, this is infringing on that, we can just let Ryan give his answer. But, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, again, when season started this weekend, you know, who, who's your best guess for for who's out there?
0: You go first, Ryan. I'll give mine, but I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah, I, I think, yeah, Vincent Gray is your number one. And then it's either Jalen Perry or DJ Turner and It sounds. I feel like it, we've heard a little bit more, maybe about DJ Turner, um, but we haven't we haven't talked to any secondary or cornerbacks coaches or anything like that. So we haven't heard too much from defensive coaches yet. But I would have to say, just on experience alone, Jalen Perry or DJ Turner would be a lie to start uh, next to next to Vincent Gray.
0: With without seeing practice, it's obviously tough to, to say just based on development, and everything else. But I, I I would get creative. I would consider putting Daxon Hill at corner. And then you've got to figure out what you want to do with the, the second. So you've so you got Dax Till and, and Vincent Curry, obviously starting at corner. You've got Brad Hawkins at safety. You have to find one of the younger guys to develop, you know, maybe throw Hunter Reynolds in there. It, obviously, he'll be a redshirt junior. He's been in the program a long time. He's, he's, he's experienced something else. Maybe you take a risk on, you know, McCurry Page or one of those young guys. But then I would probably play a fifth defensive back, a nickel, whether that's Andre Seldon or someone else back there who's talented and fast. And they may not necessarily be know, know what they're doing, but they they got speed and they get more speed in the field. I think that would help Michigan's defensive back. So without seeing practice and knowing what's going on, I'd probably just play the five defensive backs and move uh, Daxton, your fastest guy by far in the backfield, uh, to corner to try and match up with Bateman or another another speed receiver.
1: So yeah, e- either way, you're getting in these uh, these young guys into the into the fray pretty quickly. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, it'll be on, uh, you know, Don Brown to figure this all out. He's got a new safeties coach, Bob Shoop. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, it? And then, uh, Mike Zordich, uh, you know, he's, he's back, you know, defensive backs coach, but they'll, they'll this new, uh, so, you know, some of these new staff members on the defensive side, they'll have to love to figure out exactly how the pieces fit, but, uh, Yeah. Some interesting options that you guys uh, suggested there, you know, as we mentioned the other, the other spot on the other side of the ball, wide receiver, you don't have Nico Collins back, but you know, you've got a lot of other guys. We touched on this a little bit last week, but yeah, let's kind of, let's, let's get into what this means sort of for the depth chart, I guess first and foremost would mean that Ronnie Bell is, you know, the most experienced uh, most productive, most everything returning receiver because you, in addition to Nico Collins, you also lose Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tariq Black, who never really consistently got on the field, but still was was talented. So Bell comes back, and he's surrounded by, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of speed, a lot of shiftiness. Yeah, how does that play for, for Michigan here uh, with the passing game?
0: Well, I mean, right away, it leaves Michigan with six scholarship guys. I and mean, we've talked about the lack of depth at the position, and, and you know, receivers coach and offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis has mentioned that in, in weeks and months past they're very thin there now they've got like you mentioned they've got a lot of guys that can fill in spots uh, but if anyone goes down to injury they're going to be struggling I mean they got the Josh Gattis told us last week he anticipates they're true they're two true freshmen you know the guys that came in as part of Michigan's 2020 recruiting class AJ Henning and Rowan Wilson to play they're going to have to I mean it's simple that at this point they're going to need to fill spots and with Michigan going with three receiver sets they're going to have to use those guys at, at some point but it also I think is going to force Michigan to find a new number one reliable receiver. You mentioned Ronnie Bell. He was productive last year. He did a good job by and large, but he was a number two, number three option for Michigan. And when he was, you know, thrown in there in, in, in clutch situations, he struggled. I mean, he had a he had a high drop rate, one of the worst pass catch rates in the country when you break down the, the, the advanced statistics. You know, he dropped that touchdown in the end zone against Penn State. If if Michigan plans on relying on Ronnie Bell, you know, at receiver this this year, he's going to need to, to do a better job of catching the football and holding on to the football. But Michigan, I mean, they've got some other options there. They got some guys that are kind of, you know, they're budding, they're they're growing. Like they saw some snaps last year. Michigan, I think their prime mission at receiver this fall is going to be finding a a, a true superstar in the making. You know, in for for the years to seasons to come.
2: Zouk, you followed recruiting. I mean, are, are Henning and who was the other freshman you mentioned? Would that have been Roman, Roman Wilson? Wilson? Yeah. I mean, are, you think they, they uh, fit the mold to be freshman contributors? Because, I mean, in college football, generally speaking, true freshmen aren't getting on the field, aren't being like major contributors right away. But could, could they be?
1: I mean, so from what I've seen from heading, I, I was at. Uh, I went down to San Antonio last year and watched him practice, and and watched him in the the All American game, and a little bit from his highlight tapes. And I, I think with his versatility, you can do so much with him. That with his talent level, it, it would be hard to keep him off the field all year. I mean, you could run reverses with him. You could run bubble screens. Uh, wide receiver screens, jet sweeps, and just to get the ball in his hands and, and let him kind of wiggle and and do his thing and and make some moves downfield. So yeah, I definitely think you'll see uh, Henning this year. And Wilson is one of those guys that has a ton of speed, but physically, is he ready for the college level? I'm I'm not sure. He's a very slim figure, but I mean that was that was when he was in high school. He could have bulked up since he coming to Michigan, but I think for Henning for sure. He he could be a significant weapon for Michigan this year.
0: One more note too in the receivers, I would expect plenty of involvement from Mike Sanders still and Giles Jackson this year, and they're going to get thrown in the football a ton. I mean, Ronnie Bell will get his targets. Cornelius Johnson too, I think, is primed for you know a big future. I know they like what what he's able to do, and he's he's got that tall frame that that could become that future number one guy. Um, but I think Michigan's gonna have to try and. And, and distribute the football more than just the receivers. I think this is where the Chris Evans come into play. Hassan Hoskins getting out in space. Michigan will obviously utilize Nick Eubanks as a, as a pass-catching weapon. Um, but Eric All is another guy whose, whose name has come up a lot in the last couple of weeks as a potential high-sealing guy. He's another athletic type. Kind of reminds me of a, like a, you know, a Zach Gentry type guy. Big build. Can catch the football. He can move. He's fast. So Michigan's, I think, to, to have a successful passing game they're going to have to rely on just more than the receivers that they're on. They're, they're going to have to use the running backs and the tight ends. And I suspect you're going to see more of that uh, this year than you saw last.
1: A lot of a lot of quick hitter stuff too, with with an inexperienced offensive line and a new and breaking in a new quarterback. Expect the Milton to get rid of that ball quick and get the ball in, in some of these guys' hands and let them kind of make plays on their own to get downfield instead of taking deep shots. Even though Milton does have that arm, a lot of these guys don't fit that mold of a, a receiver that can go up and win those 50-50 balls. So,
2: no, I, I mean I think that's that a great point i mean we talk about we talk about the receivers just because i don't know it's a it's a separate position group than the tight ends tight ends can sometimes just be an extra lineman running backs we think first and foremost as ball carriers but yeah absolutely they'll be they'll be utilized you'd think um this year so yeah best to look at those groups as as a whole when you're talking about potential pass catchers especially for a new quarterback but yeah i mean i think that kind of covers the uh the two position groups that we talked about there is some um Recruiting news uh, to get to as well. But first, you know, I just want to mention Aaron wrote a story. It came off of, you know, the radio uh, interviews yesterday, kind of about what Michigan specifically the offensive line is doing to limit COVID exposure. And I think people, you know, have been seeing high school football going on or seeing some of these now outbreaks potentially in the NFL. Uh, There's concern there. What is what is Michigan doing specifically to at least try to you
0: you can't prevent it, but limit potentially a spread. Yeah, I, I thought it was an interesting conversation, actually, to asked about, you know, because we're seeing every week now, we're seeing college football games postponed because of the virus. Whether the virus has spread throughout the team or a certain position group, there's obviously concern of, of you know, depth being hurt based on this. You know, the offensive line, they've got 20 guys listed on the roster. Ed Warner said he has 18 guys in his room, so there's something... miss there. But either way, the offensive line group is one of the biggest on the football team. So there's concern there that if the virus were to to get in there, that Michigan could be ravaged at at the position. So what he's done, and I suspect they're doing with the defensive linemen and some of the other bigger position rooms, perhaps, perhaps the defensive backfield, they're splitting these guys up into in two separate rooms when it comes to their daily meetings. Keep in mind, Michigan hasn't started practice practices yet. They anticipate doing that this week. But up until then, up to this point, it's been largely 12-hour weeks of meetings and walkthroughs and, and the like. So there's been a lot of meeting in, you know with with position groups. And when, with regards to the offensive line specifically, Ed Warner said he's, he split them up into two rooms. He has the group split up basically evenly numbered. But I, what I thought int- was interesting is he's he's do- he's doing a very good job of putting maybe the top two tackles, keeping the top two tackles separate, keeping the top two guards separate, keeping the top two centers separate. So in case one room does get hit with a virus, he's got a potential guy that's ready to step in and play. Uh, there's a lot of position battles going on in the offensive line, a lot of uncertainty of who's going to start. In case you know one or two guys does get the vi- do get the virus, and obviously the risks is spreading. Um, they're trying to mitigate or, or kind of keep that contained. I thought that was a unique uh, way that they're going about it.
2: No, yeah, no, it, it is interesting. So, yeah, the recruiting news, we had two, you know, high profile Michigan commits go head to head in a you know nationally televised game. I didn't watch it, but I presume you did, Ryan um, and Aaron. I think you did as well. Tell me about it.
1: Yes, from, from start to finish, all almost three and a half hours of a high school football game. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was uh, it was a big showdown between JJ McCarthy, five star quarterback, and and Michigan's top rated defensive commit and four star linebacker Junior Colson. And yeah, I mean, IMG and McCarthy rolled past Brentwood uh, Ravenwood Tennessee, forty five to fourteen. But it, to be honest, I was more impressed with Colson on on Friday night than than McCarthy. I mean, yeah, they gave out 45 points, but in the first half, I mean, IMG's defense just absolutely swarmed uh, the the Ravenwood offense. I mean, I feel like they created three turnovers, and I think like their average field position. It seemed like they were starting every drive on like the the Ravenwood 15 yard line, and barely had to go anywhere to, to score a touchdown. Uh, also had a defensive touchdown scored too, but. Uh, yeah, Colson ended up going up against an uh, offensive line that's loaded with four and five-star prospects. He he sacked McCarthy once, had a team-high eight tackles, and you could tell he, he's just a talented, talented player. He also converted two fake punts, one on a little jump pass for a 25-yard twenty five yard gain, uh, picked up one with his legs on a three-yard rush on fourth and three. So he, he kind of does it, does it all for Ravenwood, and, and he's got... From sideline to sideline, he's got pretty good speed, and and he'll be a good player for Michigan, I'm sure. McCarthy finished 16 of 31 for 193 yards. Uh, his touchdown pass, his one touchdown pass was a, a, a strike uh, down down the left sideline. But overall, I mean, he had some missed throws. He, a lot of backpedaling and looked a little bit hurried back there. Not a terrible performance, but I, I don't think it was his best of, of, of the year so far. I don't know. Aaron, what do you think?
0: Yeah, well, I guess I'll start with Junior. But, you know, when I spoke to him over the summer after he committed, you know, one of the things he said was Michigan's coaching staff really liked his versatility. They anticipated him, you know, they had this grand idea of him playing Viper eventually against the Michigan. So to see him play that way didn't, you know, didn't really surprise me much. He's he's able to do a lot of things. He's quick. He's big. And he's the type of guy I think that's going to fit in Don Brown's system really well. Played really well, um, especially, like you said, against a loaded IMG team. Yeah, McCarthy didn't look as didn't look so hot, but it's important to point out he didn't have to do as much either. I mean, you mentioned all the, the the first half was very much a defensive game. I mean, IMG's Academy's defense was kind of uh, throwing Ravenwood around, so they didn't have to do much offensively. But it certainly wasn't his week one performance where he's kind of fitting passes in in, in, in the tight windows and making all the throws and everything else. So it certainly wasn't off game for McCarthy. Uh, we'll see how he rebounds, but you know, I, I've seen enough of him between highlights in the first week. Couple of weeks where he's going to be a special talent. I think mean, he's a really good quarterback. He's got the arm. He's got the the um, you know the ability. We'll see what we'll see where it goes here here the, uh, the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, and, and give Ravens uh, defense of backs credit. I mean, there was it's not like McCarthy had a bunch of wide open receivers all night where he was uh, either overthrew them or, or whatnot. They were a lot of times it was just good coverage. Um, downfield as well. And there there were a few dropped passes. So yeah, not all of his incompletions were his fault. He didn't throw any interceptions, didn't turn the ball over. So that that part's a a positive.
2: You know, we don't often talk pro sports, uh, you know, on this podcast, but it's a rare time when, because of, you know, season delays, uh, multiple playoffs are, are going on at the same time. And you do have a Michigan basketball alum, Duncan Robinson will be playing in the NBA finals for the Miami Heat. I mean, I've i wrote about Duncan a lot, uh, including you know when the when this Eastern Conference Finals started, just sort of recapping his you know incredible rise, <laughs> um, you know from high school to to college, uh, now to starting in the NBA. The last Michigan Wolverine to win an NBA championship. That would be uh, the current Michigan head coach and Robinson's former coach uh, in Miami, Jawan Howard. Now he was inactive for that series in 2013 that the Heat won, but he was active the year before and they also won, though he only played in the final three minutes of of the clinching game. Um, If you want to go back to kind of the last contributor, it'd be that 2000 finals when you had Jalen Rose uh, on the pacers going against Glenn rice of the Lakers. Both players started in that series. But you know, there's not too many that have that have that have gotten a ring. I count uh Howard, Rice, Mike McGee, Cassie Russell, Bob Harrison. That is that is it. Um and then you know Rudy Tomjanovich won as a head coach twice uh with the Rockets. But yeah, so it'd be an exclusive club. We'll see. Uh they will be they will be underdogs against against LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers. But um, you know. I'll be watching. I mean, it is it is an incredible, incredible story. I don't know. I don't know much about hockey, but I guess the Stanley Cup just ended. The Tampa Bay Lightning won over the Dallas Stars. Yes, yes. no Michigan, no Michigan alums in that series were there. There was one with the Dallas Stars, Andrew Cagliano. Oh, there we go. Stars, yeah, yeah. So like a fourth fourth
1: line death player.
2: And then you know the baseball players are starting, but the Mets are not in it, so I don't care.
0: How <laughs> your <could> journey? It. <laughs>
2: Well, you didn't have much hope going into the season either. So, I mean, I don't well, think once just- they decided that half the league made it, I kind of thought <laughs> they would. Um, <laughs> the fact that that is here to stay really bums me out. I think that's a, just a really bad decision on MLB's part. But but so be it. Also these three game series, I guess I, I just I just don't really get it. But so be it. Here to stay. Zook, you would know if there's any Michigan alums or the Michigan alums in MLB right now. There can't be too many.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I, I don't know if Rich Hill made the postseason w- roster for the Twins. Uh, Jay Cronenworth, a likely uh, NL player or rookie of the year in the in the NL for the San Diego Padres. He'll, uh, he'll be, he's a key piece for for the Padres. Okay, who uh, had a resurgence this year? Yeah, uh, I think those are the two off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, I'm not not sure about any others, but those are those are two I know of for sure interesting
2: all right well yeah there we go so that starts uh, that starts today tuesday i believe so yeah that's that's all we've got for this episode of the wolverine confidential podcast but thank you for listening